Yo, welcome to Bias Brothers. We have here another show, David Scarlett alongside me, and we have Dexter Cyrus, head coach of Point Fortin Civic Center, former national player, as well as former national, former coach of St. Benedict's College. So we're going to have an interesting show today. We're basically going to, again, just get some more information regards to the feeling and a coach's perspective with regards to the impasse between FIFA and the TTFA. Coachman, first of all, welcome to the show. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for taking time out just to kind of come on and give us your intro, your, give us your vision on what, and as well as your opinion on where the national game is and how we can move forward. So just quickly, we just want to get your thoughts on the FIFA versus the TTFA impasse. Initially, when, when, um, when, initially, when the United TTFA decided that they would have, uh, that they would, well, I should say, stand up to FIFA. You know, it felt, I think the country felt good about it. I think it was noble that people who was on the fence, it had people who was um, against it. But um, I don't think, I don't think anybody wanted a ban. Even though you felt good about it, I don't think anybody wanted to get banned. So, a lot of people had mixed emotions, which was including myself. Um, I honestly don't think that the United TTFA wanted Trinidad Tobago football to be banned by FIFA. But based on how how long they went on with um, their actions, um, I understand that um, the reason that we end up getting banned was not because that they dropped the case. It was because that they um they filed the papers uh, three minutes late. That in itself is something with for me. FIFA is a very big entity. FIFA is not like a FIFA is not like a human being. I thought that was harsh, you know. Three minutes, I think that was harsh. But at the end of the day, based on the based on the fact that you actually went against FIFA regulations. I think FIFA decided, well, you went against the regulations anyhow and you still come late, so we will ban you. You know, so um, I think it, it is a melting pot of mixed emotions, but I don't think that anybody thought that... I think everybody thought that FIFA moved, you know, they were a bit high-handed, but yet still, I don't think that the general public wanted Trinidad to be able to get back, you know? Okay, no problem. So do you think that the United ETFA would mean in William Wallace and they initially taking office and after four months being thrown out, do you think they were treated unfairly? Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit high-handed because they didn't incur the debt. You know, the debt that, um, the debt that FIFA stated that they had to take care of and what was accumulated. They didn't incur, they came and met that. Okay, no problem. So with regards yeah. to, if you were in the shoes of William Wallace and at the present situation, would you go forward or would you take a step back? That's from I mean, your point. I, I, um, I, I might have done what William Wallace did initially, but from the time FIFA, this, from the time FIFA gave the correspondence that if you don't drop the case, you'll get banned. Personally, for me, I would have stepped back. I think it, it at that time, it became bigger than me or bigger than anybody. And 
I would have stepped back because um, I, I, I'm not seeing you, you, I'm not seeing your fighting that battle and winning. Okay. Even if the United TTFA gets the run football in Trinidad and Tobago, it, 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 after that, you still have to go back to the same FIFA. So at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a situation where I don't know. I, I honestly thought that, uh, mind you, I honestly thought that what will Wallace and Lockloy and all the other vice president, I thought that it was a very noble act, but not at the cost of getting back. Okay. okay. You know? Okay. And that's the feelings of most persons. They think that it's actually a lose-lose situation. We confront FIFA and yes, we, we think they've been treated unfairly, but what was the gain? What's the end goal at the end of the day? Most people feel as though, well, even if we beat FIFA, they don't give us any funding. We can't play against other nations in FIFA. So then where does that leave the local game? So I think that's where most persons was having a initial is to them continuing the case. Yeah. 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 Because um I think I think after I think after all of this you have to go back and face the same FIFA. You have to go back to the same FIFA. I think um I think um financially I think it it, it will be very tough for Trinidad Tobago. But also putting myself and the administration and United TTFA and all these people aside, it, this is a real, 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 real blow for the players. Yeah. It's a real blow for the players. I mean, I, I had my time well, as a player already, you know, it's a real disheartening thing. Every single player I spoke to is disheartening because at the end of the day, you know, players playing football in the country and they want to play for Trinidad and Tobago. They want to be seen. They want to. They want to. They, they have a dream of football giving them a better life. I mean, so putting myself aside and Mr. Wallace and uh, Lockloy and the United TTFA and putting all those things aside is a, is a is a serious serious blow for the players. You understand? I think that um, and I will I will I will I will always say that I thought that. Initially, what Wallace and Lockloy did was very noble and upstanding, but I did. I, I don't think that they should have carried that far. I think they could have. Well, obviously, I think they, they kept a meeting the day before, the night before mm-hmm. the deadline, and the um, the the majority ruled and said that they don't want to, you know to get banned. So let me, you know, let me back off, and they did such and. I guess three minutes has, has us where we are now. Yeah. Three minutes late has us where we are now. Okay. You yeah, gave us an interesting perspective there when you said a number of players you spoke to expressed this interest. From we haven't spoke to, spoken to any players thus far, but what if you could give us their opinion in terms of how they personally feel about the entire situation going forward? Is it one where they think that their personal career, because the career of a football, average footballer, let's say from about 17 to let's say 32, your best years? So a lot of them who probably older, a lot of them who young. How are they, are they feeling with regards to this impasse as well as COVID-19? Well, 17 to 32 is based on what part of the globe you are. That's 17 to 32, maybe South America and Europe. In the Caribbean, right? And um, 
you know, Central America and these places, you have a, a pool of late developing footballers. I don't think the Caribbean has the the um. I don't think the Caribbean has the 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 the, the infrastructure and all these things to create world class seven teenagers. You know, I mean, we have good teenagers, but I don't think they're world class. I think for us to to reach up to world class, I think maybe early twenties, mid twenties. You know. Um, so, but more than likely, I would have spoken to the players and they who uh, who I am in charge of Dunga Civic. Okay. You know, so, and these boys now who would have gotten the little chance on the national team, like the captain, Justin Saru, um, Tyrell Papi Emmanuel, very bright and upcoming young player. But, you know, the, these boys, they are... They, you know, they disenfranchise, they disheartened, you know, and um, when when you when you you have to hear them talk and hear the, the tone of the voice, and hear how they speak in, and get to realize that, you know, it it it, it heavy on them, it it the thought heavy on them, and now the reality has hit them where we get banned. I mean, on top of COVID, where there's a there's a virus out there that if you get it, it could kill you. And you can't train, you can't play football. And we have we just have to sit and wait for things to get back to normal based on a vaccine. You you don't want more bad news on top of that. You know, it's like it's like it's like your only little glimmer of hope. Well, you know, on the national team, you know, and when a little, when a little qualifier start, I might get to, you know, I might get to play, and you know, you know, somebody might get to see me, and all them kind of things. Nope, nobody getting to see Trinidad today, you know. Can I do anything? Yeah, um, Coach Man, you said that you, you spoke to your players from Civic Center. Did you get um, a perspective from players playing abroad? Um, I had a little chat with um. Levi, Garcia, and um, I don't think that he, um, based on what he told me, I don't think that he, um, he himself was very, very, very uh, disappointed in the fact that we got banned, and him not being in Trinidad, him not having any say, him not being able to do anything, you know, he just had to say, well, all right, we get banned, and we just had to go with the flow, you know, but um, I didn't speak to, to say, I didn't speak to anybody else. Um, in the case that um that we are suspended, um, do you think um Terry Fenwick for the national team would have no choice but to select foreign based players? Um, since players in the country wouldn't be playing um football. Of course. If we're not suspended you in order for you to stand a chance, you have to select foreign based players who are playing abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um what what did the player in Trinidad, what is he doing? Well, I asked Lasana on the last podcast. Um, since we do have any football in Trinidad, what do we do to keep the players in the country active? Do we like form a, a tournament, a league that could um facilitate the players, like Ascension League, for example? Well, I think that this is the only thing I this this is the only thing I think could work based on the fact that um. Uh, 
uh, we didn't football didn't play for a year. I guess maybe a year under the um, David John Williams administration. Football didn't play for about a year, and then um, Mr. Ferguson came in and saved us, right? Mr. Ferguson came in and he um, he opened a league, which was the Ascension League, and football played, right? Well, I think maybe two and a half months, maybe three months, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I am seeing that the Ascension League is the only way that football could actually play in Trinidad and Tobago under a FIFA ban. You don't think, think the, you don't think the Pro League will cut it? I don't. Well, well. The government will have to will have to obviously um, um partner with Mr. the guy from Rangers there, right? Ferguson. And because I guess maybe whatever money that we will not be getting in these times, I guess he might have to fill that fill that void. You know, that's how I'm seeing it. Um because it, it, it takes money to run the TT Pro League. Players will have to get a little stipend. I mean, they might be able to get. I don't know if they will be able to get the amount that they are custom getting. And I do know? believe um players are old yeah. as well. Players still old salaries and. Yeah, 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 yeah. That could be so. Yeah. Okay, no problem. I just wanted to just give some insight. Um, when we spoke to Lasana, he actually told us that when a nation is banned, we they don't normally schedule FIFA qualifiers as well as other Gold Cup qualifiers. For the nation, and with regards to Trinidad and Tobago, I think we have a game of, of coming against probably one of the smaller islands. Montreal, Montreal, for the World Cup, as well as we do have upcoming World Cup qualifiers in December. So, right. what do you think? This is like an extension of the time for us to do the right thing, or do you think? Do you still view this as a ban? Well, it was stated clearly in the correspondence from FIFA that we are banned. The fact that the fact that we might be given what we call in Chantante Bego a little blind to get ourselves together and do the right thing so that we can be now included in Gold Cup and international friendlies and Gold Cup qualifiers. The fact that we get in that opportunity, that little blight, is a good thing. I mean, um, I'm, I'm thinking that they're putting us in a position where you're already banned, do the correct thing, or you will stay banned. Okay. So do the correct thing to get back into the door because we're already on the door. Okay. You know? Okay, no problem. So before the ban, there was COVID-19. And with COVID-19, a lot of the local game had to be suspended. Um, I know that you were leading a little renaissance at Civic. The kind of football you're seeing, the team was playing hasn't been seen in a while. So how did you feel that the season was cut short? And what do you think is the way forward with the COVID pandemic being where it is, where we are not allowed to play contact sports, so teams are not allowed to play full-size games, they're not allowed to train either. How do you feel about that? And how do you, what do you think is the way back for local football? Um, based on what was going on with me and the players down at Civic, our bubble was burst because... Those players who, who, who they want to hide um, on the training field and on match days they they, they were performing right. Um, COVID came and cut it 
short. Um, but going forward, based on if we still have COVID, we don't have the resources to, to deal with players where, like in the NBA bubble there, where, where you're seeing men getting tested every 48 hours. And in England, they're getting tested, players getting tested every three days, 72 hours, and that kind of thing. We don't have them kind of resources. You understand? So I'm thinking the way forward for us is just a matter of waiting it out. Waiting it out. Yeah, we had to wait it out. We totally agree because we were seeing in different areas that they were suggesting to actually have a bubble similar to the CPL where players go from the hotel to the game and back. Persons have been, have been saying they don't think the players in the pro league dis- disciplined enough to follow that regimented exercise for any period of time. They don't think that it's feasible based on the differences between the football players and the facilities with regards to the cricket. What do you think? Um, CPL, right? has the financial backing to put players in a hotel, take them to games, take them back to the hotel, right? And test them. That, that is a lot of finance. I don't think we could put up all our pro league teams in hotels and take them to games and that kind of thing. The CPL also, is, is a tournament that runs for uh, three weeks or a month, I think. I think it's three yeah, weeks. Three month, yeah. yeah, just about, yeah, think, about a month. Yeah. yeah, I think it's three weeks. So a league, a football league that is going to span maybe a six-month period or a seven-month period. Usually about nine months. Yeah, so where, where, when are we going to, where are we going to get the resources to take players from hotel and that kind of thing now in this time here? Okay, no problem, because we were hearing that information in certain quarters. So we just wanted to get a personal view on it. Um, I think it was an idea that was shut down. So we just wanted yeah, to get your personal view. I don't think that it's realistic at all. Okay. Everybody, everybody wants to operate based on what they have as ideas of the ideal situation. But ideas of the ideal situation has nothing to do with the reality of the situation. Okay. What is the reality of the situation is based on what is feasible. What is feasible right now in Trinidad, based on how small Trinidad is, is the fact that Trinidad is too small. Trinidad is a very small place. Trinidad is too small. You can't take any chances. You can't take no chances because by the time you take a chance, in two weeks' time, everything gets blown out of control. So, with regards to... So, if we do... You are Scarlett. Um, um, If we do... If Trinidad does get suspended, and when the COVID restrictions eventually get lifted, um, what do you do with your players knowing that there most likely isn't a competition to play in and there's no um, international games to look forward to? What do you do with your players? Do, how do you train? How do you motivate them to come out to train? Um, what do you do? You play, you play friendlies against other teams? Um, I don't do? think I don't think that they, I don't think that we wouldn't have a competition to play. I think there would still be a league. It might be a pro league. It might be the they still have the pro league. They'll still have the the super league. They'll still have, still have football in the country. Obviously, they would not they they wouldn't have any national football. But I still think that the league in Trinidad will go on. Mister Ferguson still has a team in Trinidad, 
right? So even if there's no TT Pro League, there, there could be the Ascension League. So at the end of the day, there will have football in the country. But as you what? said, as you said, there are there's no financial backing. So and obviously the, the economy took a dip during COVID. So who would be able to host a league for nine months in Trinidad after COVID? Um the the gentleman who owns Rangers is more than able to, to host a league. He might not be able to put teams up in the, in a hotel. Like what you would have to do during COVID. Well, I do mean I do mean during COVID. Like after COVID might be maybe next two years, who knows? But I do mean like yeah. next year, January, February, or next year this time, what the um, arrangements would be for a new league. Right. Right. All right. So restrictions opening doesn't mean that we do still we wouldn't still have COVID. So I, I you see, I don't think that Trinidad and Tobago could take the chance until there's some level of certainty based on our movement. I don't think we could take that chance. Trinidad is too small and we don't have that kind of infrastructure, that kind of resources. So you think, we, you think we can't um, host a league until we get a vaccine, until COVID clears up? Until, until COVID clears up. Okay. There, there is no, you can't take that chance, especially, you see, you have to look at the asymptomatic individual. You have to look at that individual who has COVID, doesn't show any signs or any symptoms, and he's just spreading it. That is why you can't open back schools. Because who is most likely to be asymptomatic? Kids, the young kids, the primary school kids, the kids who are now going into puberty in the early teens. Those are the asymptomatic people. At the end of the day, what are they going to do? They're not showing any signs. You have no flu-like symptoms. So what are you going to do? You're just going to spread COVID. You're okay, just going to be spreading COVID. Yeah. As I mentioned, kids, Coachman, we know he is the um, head coach as well as the managing director Union Hall Football Academy. So how has COVID affected you on that personal level with regards to the kids you've been training and with regards to the academy? Before you also, we just want you to give us a little insight as to how you got the encouragement to begin the academy, where it was, where it was at before COVID and where is that now? All right. Well, my my um, initial um, incentive, I should say, to start the academy was the fact that I got two boys, right, um, one year apart, right. My wife made two boys for me, one year apart, and um, and by the time those boys were four and five, I wanted to make sure that I was able to teach them what I know. And I needed other boys to do that. So those other boys, I couldn't, they, it had nobody on the street. I didn't have any friends. Remember, I'm not from, I'm not originally from San Fernando. I'm from Palestine. Those other boys would have to be boys from the school. And then I said, well, if I get boys from the school to come, maybe I should just do an academy because I'm living 40 feet away from Savannah. And so said, so done. Everything was put in place in maybe about myself and Coach Burke. We put everything in place in about maybe about a, a two months. And then we had a camp. And after that, the academy was running. Okay. So when your camp came up about against other coaching schools and things, and I remember, I remember seeing videos of one Republic Cup tournament. How was that for the academy? Um, the academy 
took part in their first Republic Cup, won the, won the under 11 tournament, undefeated, right? And um, they reached the semifinal, the quarterfinal, I should say, of the national, um, the knockout stage, which would have been the national, uh, the national part of it, which part, yeah, everybody from different zones go and participate. Um, we end up losing 1 0 to Trendsetter Hawks, who end up who was eventually the winners, right? At under 11 level. Um, our boys, we have a crop of boys who, um, that group of boys never lost a game. Okay. All the, from since they were about, when we started, when we started playing academy matches, they never lost a match. Okay. And we put them in competition and they played out the competition without losing a match. The, the first time those boys encountered losing was when they lost to Trendsetter Hawks. And that wasn't, that was in about maybe about three years. Okay. All right. No you know, problem. So it's, a, it's a nice, it's a nice bunch of, it's a nice bunch of boys. Okay, well, we wish you all the best for that new group. Finally, in closing, as we come to the end, we just want to get your view into how you're going to move forward with it with regards to the COVID-19 restrictions in terms of if you do, you keep in contact with the boys, encourage them to do probably some of the drills they might have been doing with them before and what you think you would like to see when it, the whole places, re, places reopen and allowed to meet with your students again. Right. Um, what, the thing with... Um, as far as moving forward with the academy, um, I I keep in touch with parents all the time. Um, the kids, I try to give them advice and keep just stay in touch with them so that they could stay active. You know, but there's only so much you could do. I saw that the restrictions from the groups of five have been raised to ten, but I personally carry my boys in the savannah and with with one other kid, which would have made three of them. Um, I carry them in the savannah basically every day, every single day. Um, they might get one rest day for the week. Sometimes we go whole week, but I, I I don't want to take the chance of bringing out kids because I am not I am not comfortable with certain things and. The parents of the academy expressed to me that they are also not comfortable with certain things. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it a situation now where they are, where they, where we bringing out kids and 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 that kind of thing. I, I think, let's ride it out until such time that we are able to do the, the right thing, and the boys and they they could do little drills at home. Okay. You know, you show them to hit the ball off the wall inside the foot and all that kind of thing and do the drills at home. You know, we make little videos for them and, you know, they could do drills at home, you know? Okay. All right, Coach Man, just want to thank you again for your time. Thanks for coming out to Bias Brothers. Hopefully, this is your first appearance on Menu. Thank you for bringing the perspective of our coach as well as uh, the managing director of the Football Academy, the guys to the kids. So, we just want to thank you again for coming on and thanks for your, your advice. Yeah, coach. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. All right, we'll see you guys next time on Bias Brothers.